Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to a weird Friday episode of Jaybird Watching. I am part of the you know Vulcan mind meld that is the Jaybird Watching team here. I am Craig Bourne with my usual counterpart, Mr. Brendan Panikar. How we doing, my friend? Bonjour. Bonjour, sir. <laughs> there you go. Are you going to go full um, everything else? <laughs> Hello, Canada. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Hello, Canada. Hello, United States. Uh, or Rochester, New York. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, buddy. How are you? How's your I- Christmas? Wonderful. Couldn't complain about anything. Uh, had enough beers, and uh, as I mentioned to you, had plenty of Pink Whitney all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, that a boy. That a boy. That's what I like hearing. Get At least the from pink stuff. what I remember, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you mix that with, you go straight. That's one of the few liquors I can drink straight. That one wasn't too bad. It does have a nice burn. <laughs> Oh, yeah. As everything else. Burn. Surprising <laughs> burn, though. It's like, okay, this ain't so bad. Ah! <laughs> Before you get that bad word out. <laughs> kind of catches up to you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. Yeah, but, no, we, um, um, Anna had some of the, um, you know, fruit juice and whatnot around in the kitchen for the kids and everything, like always. And it ends up turning into an adult drink rather quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it worked out too like easily. Jungle- <laughs> because, like, jungle juice or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, right down to the maraschino cherry. There you go. Bang. <laughs> even better that does sound like a good time <laughs> it worked out pretty well and as weird as it is it didn't let i didn't see any extra snow even with all that drinking <laughs> i know it's, so, it's weird. so warm around these parts man it's crazy this is winter this is like early spring like late march kind of opening day kind of feel this above zero <laughs> stuff is weird but maybe That's it's right. because we're all, you know, as Blue Jays fans now, we're looking forward to the springtime. And boom, segue, I get points. <laughs> uh, points for you. <laughs> so, Brendan, how excited could we be? It's official. Obviously, the physicals have been passed at this point. Blue Jays fans get to enjoy watching Hyunjin Ryu on opening day. Oh, man. Well, I'll just tell you, uh, on Monday morning, I guess it was, I was sleeping in the spare bedroom because my girlfriend, Sarah, was sick all week. So I'm like, stay away from me. I'm going to sleep in the spare room so I don't get sick. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, I'm getting up to get ready to go to work, kind of starting to wake up. I hear my phone go off at like 6.30 in the morning with a Facebook message. I didn't look at it. I get up to go to the bathroom, get back into bed. I'm like, okay, let's just check the phone before I fall back to sleep. And I look, and I see my mom had messaged me on Facebook being like, oh, my God, Brendan, the Blue Jays signed Hondren Rio. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm not going back to sleep. I go on Twitter, first thing I see is, yep, the Blue Jays have signed Hundred and Ryu. What a Christmas present, my friend. I was fucking stoked. Like, it's about time we can feel this way as Blue Jays fans that we finally have a big fish to sign here in free agency. And honestly, Craig, all the negativity this entire offseason has kind of been thrown out the window based on everything that people were complaining about this front office, that they were cheap, didn't spend money, weren't willing to give extra years to guys to entice them to come here. That's all out the window now. Obviously, another addition or two will get more people on board, but how can you be mad about Hanjin Ryu and this front office getting the big fish to come here? It's awesome. A guy that was the runner-up of the National League Cy Young Award. You know, just how do you you, go, you landed something huge? This is unheard of in Blue Jays' recent history. Because even when the Blue Jays were really good, you know, we got the great news of Russell Martin and everything. But all the rest of it, Brandon, was trades. It was the you know Houdini moves that ended up making the 2015 team great. It wasn't these huge splashes and. 
too many Blue Jays' recent memories. You know, this isn't the B.J. Ryan or the A.J. Burnett signing. This is a legit <laughs> arm that has been good. Um, yes, and it just brings so many good things to this ball club. I love the interview, and from even though what I've been hearing on Twitter, it sounded like he was actually a lot more thankful to be coming to Toronto than the interpreter might have been alluding to <laughs> from some of the stuff I was reading. Um, obviously, some things might be lost in translation, but the fact that he was excited, and you could see it on his face, he was just like, wow, this is insane. I'm very happy to be here, kind of, during that presser. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, they uh, they have an opening day starter for a change. And you know what? Honestly, even though they addressed the rotation a little bit, which we'll get into later with Chase Anderson back in November and Tanner Roark just a few years ago, there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiousness feeling like, okay, this can't be all that they walk away with. And the fact that they got their guy, the guy that they went after hard when the free agency period opened, they lived up to everything that they were telling the fan base, that they were being aggressive from the start, and they were, and Ryu was their target, and they landed him. And now, when you look at it, you push Roark and Anderson down to the middle parts of the rotation, and then you can round it out with a Shoemaker or a Thornton or a Ryan Barucki. You have a look of a rotation that could be surprisingly good as long as they stay healthy. That's going to be the big key, especially with Hunjin Ryu. I mean, you go back and look at his season's, in the big leagues, he's thrown 150 or more innings just three times, and two of those were in 2013 and 2014. But, Craig, each of those seasons where he's thrown at least 152 innings, he's been worth, according to Sangrass, at least 3.8 wins in each of those. And when you get up into the fours and the fives, which Ryu was in 2014 and last year at 4.8, that's ace-level numbers. That's upper echelon kind of numbers there for a starting pitcher. So they got their guy. They got their race. I don't know how anybody can be upset. There's obviously going to be some injury concerns and in, in hopes that he stays healthy, as it is for everybody. But I'd rather them make a mistake and spend the money and it not necessarily work out like we are hoping that it will um, than not. So be happy It's <laughs> what we're trying to say. Be very, very happy indeed, Brendan. 2.32 ERA over 180 innings. And... I think the thing that a lot of people are missing in this whole thing is he's played for a World Series caliber team over the past few years. He knows how to pitch, and he knows how to win baseball games. That is a very big thing for a team that is very young and experienced. Having somebody come into this rotation like him is a big deal. It very much is what I was trying to preach with the Tanner Roark thing, if anybody had any real reasons to be super upset over Tanner Roark. He's a veteran. He knows how to win baseball games. And that's a guy that you want in the dog days of, you know, August and into September into a hopeful eventual playoff berth. You know, this is a big deal just past these numbers that you were looking at because he knows what to do on the mound. Absolutely. I think the one under underrated thing about Ryu, and there's going to be an adjustment period for sure. He's coming from some pretty cavernous ballparks in the NL West. Dodger Stadium is a monstrosity. Uh, we obviously know about San Diego being that uh, that ocean air that kind of hovers around the stadium and balls don't really leave the yard or San Francisco. All three big ballparks. Uh, there will be an adjustment period, but the one thing about Ryu, which is very good, is he doesn't really allow that many walks, and contact off of him is so weak. He led the league, or was very closely in the league, in exit velocity allowed last year. He's at the 96th percentile according to baseball savant so it's hard to square him up his mix of pitches his change up which is a power pitch for him kind of like marco strada throws guys off uh, off their game when they're up at the plate and being able to mix his pitches paint the corners uh elevate the fastball we need it he doesn't have to rely on velocity and you can be extremely successful doing that and ryu is that for blue jays that and some watching some of his pitches during some of the you know wonderful stuff that's coming up from Pitch Ninja and everything all over Twitter. Watching him, I never really had a chance to watch watch him being on the West Coast, Brennan. But the fact that his everything he throws is moving, it's insane how much movement everything has on. It. Even his fastball's got a nice tail to it, so there's not a lot to miss on here, and except for you know Major League Baseball bats. <laughs> the only thing that we're going to have to pray is that he does stay healthy. Uh, pray that those arm issues that were giving them problems, he had like 
I think you go back like 2015, 2016, and 2017. Well, 2017, actually, now that I look at it, he had 126 innings, but still, 2018, 2015, and 2016 were all pretty much non-factors for Hunter and Rio. Shoulder issues plagued him in the past. That seems to be a thing of the past, I hope, because he came back in 2018, and in 82 and a third innings, he had an ERA of 1.97, and then last year, in 182.2, 2.32. So... When he's healthy, this guy is one of the better ones in all of baseball. And you know what is a very underrated thing, too? He's a lefty. Which this rotation currently doesn't have a lefty penciled in there. Could change with Barucki or Anthony Kay. But still, the fact that you got a lefty, upper echelon kind of guy, there's it, honestly really, other than the health concerns, no negatives with this signing. I wonder how much the negatives on the whole health concern thing are not as big of a deal when you look at what the Blue Jays have in depth. There's some guys that are going to just miss this rotation, Brendan that would be hell of a good guy to have for that spot start slash lawn spot out of the bullpen. Their stuff is going to carry pretty well, and if you're expecting to only get 180 innings from a uh, Ryu this year, I really think that you know things could go well and that he could get to 200 this year. But you got a guy like Anthony K, Ryan Baraki that just misses the rotation. Oh, my God, dude. There's another guy that can t- toss three innings. Who cares if he only throws 180 innings this year and stays healthy? <laughs> it's not a big deal, oh, right? Exactly. And you know what? One thing, you, one guy you can add in there is the other uh, uh, Asian signing in Shun Yamaguchi, who's probably going to pitch out of the bullpen. And they have him now that you can put in there and can come out and give you spot starts. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys, maybe more along the lines of Jacob Wegespack, starts the season in the bullpen and is kind of there to clean up some innings from some of the starters. So you can have two long guys who can take your turns through the rotation if you need to fill in some guys. Now the depth is going to be a strength of this team, and when you look back at the five guys who were taking turns to the rotation in September of last year when the Blue Jays were a 12-13 and 13 ball club, none of those guys, save for maybe one, will be breaking camp with this rotation with the additions they've made. So you have improved your rotation like crazy considering how the season ended last year. They were saying on the radio today, Craig, if the Blue Jays playing a ton of playoff-bound teams in the Red, or not the Red Sox, but the Rays, the Yankees, uh, I believe the Astros were in there a little bit too, um, and you went 12-13 and 13 with a rotation that was constantly in flux, Wilmer Font being the opener every two days or whatever it was, or every third day, uh, yeah, no, this team could very well be contending for 500 at least. I, I think that's the expectation going into the season is you can be a 500 ball club. Yeah, I think that's a your base at this point. You got to be shooting for 500 this season with the offense that we know we could have with the you know <laughs> the namesakes for Christ's sake. And then you t- sprinkle this good pitching rotation on top of that, guys. It's this is something that could be sneaking up and biting a lot of teams in the American League's ass. Let's just put it lightly. Nobody's looking at this rotation thinking it's lights out or anything, but it's consistent all the way through. And for most major league teams that are constantly looking for pitching. How many can say they have a decent one through five? I don't no, know how absolutely. many. Absolutely. And you know what? The, the one comparison I will always make to Blue Jays fans on this podcast or the rest of the offseason, if they just keep things as is, go back and look at the way the 2015 rotation started. You had Drew Hutchison on opening day, and then you went Mark Burley, Aaron Sanchez as a rookie, Daniel Norris as a rookie, and R.A. Dickey. So you have your kind of... You have your, I want to say, Mark Burley and R.A. Dickey, who could go out there and give you maybe a mid-three, high four, e- or mid-to-low-four ERA, and Chase Anderson and Tanner Roark. But now you have an upper echelon guy in Ryu compared to your opening day starter then, Andrew Hutchison. Plus, you get to fill that out with a shoemaker if he's healthy, is already better than throwing out a rookie Aaron Sanchez or Daniel Norris. And then whoever takes that fifth spot in Barucki or Thornton will have already had one full big league season under their belt uh, a season ago. So, yeah, what I'm trying to say is if this offense can click, and there's no reason to believe that they won't be a good offense, Vlad Jr., who's already posted a few pictures where you can clearly tell he's in amazing shape, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Danny Jansen, Rowdy, Travis Shaw, who we'll touch on later, this offense could be quite good, and the pitching staff will probably just have to be okay, which they can definitely be. I don't know if you were trying to get segue points or not, but with the 2015 comparison, do we need to talk David Price possibly still being <laughs> lingering on the freaking market here, Brendan? 
It's very yeah, intriguing to know that the team is looking to add one way or the other now. Is this something they're still thinking? I hope so, because, I mean, man, if you can add David Price in there and you slot him in as number two or number three in your rotation, then, wow, then you're looking at a potentially really good or breakout rotation if everybody stays healthy for the most part. It's going to be interesting if those rumors persist, because, as we were saying before we started recording, there seem to be some legitimate legs to that rumor. And I honestly think if the Red Sox were to eat enough money where the Blue Jays are paying maybe $20 million per season for the next three years of David Price, then that deal could get done. Now, there are a whole bunch of other things that you can do with that. The Red Sox clearing David Price is going to help them re-sign Mookie Betts, which should be part of your negotiations, obviously. Be like, yeah, if you take David Price with this money, the money you'll save, throw that towards Mookie Betts. But also, you could add maybe a Jackie Bradley Jr., is a potential guy which you could take in there to eat on a little bit more salary. There's some very interesting options which they can pursue. And I don't think, as we were saying before we started recording, I don't think any of Ross Atkins' answers made it seem like that's not a possibility anymore. I, I believe the conversations will continue. I'm not sure if it'll get done, but the fact that they're talking about it is exciting still. And that's a large chunk of salary to add as well. That'd be another $20 million or so. Yeah, and God forbid if it keeps sliding to the point where the Blue Jays just are like, nope, we're not giving you jack and shit for prospects, so just eat the money and <laughs> give us the guy. <laughs> you know, the more and more they eat, the, that's finally what you know brings them somebody that's actually worth a damn out of the Blue Jays minor league system, which is extensively fruitful, as we keep talking about on this show, Brendan. You know, if they turn around and eat all of it but like 10 mil a year for the Blue Jays, and you have to give up a mid, you know, mid to a high tier, maybe like a tenth, well, ranked guy in our system, which is oddly enough, like, you know, top five in a lot of other minor league systems. <laughs> that might be what gets it done. You never know. It's worth talking about, and the the, blue, the Red Sox are ready to eat that money to get something back. Do it. Let them take it. I don't care no, how no it gets doubt. done. No doubt, and I think the exciting thing that people need to keep their pulse on as the offseason continues, and if you're around the 500 ball club heading into the trade deadline, which will probably put you in the conversation for wild card two, the Blue Jays' farm system is so stacked where they can start shipping out some of these prospects that just simply won't have homes. We've talked extensively, as you said, about how crowded it is in the middle of the infield. If you can trade somebody to get an outfielder that'll put you over the top or solidify your rotation, with another another top-end guy, even a number three or number two guy. And then the possibilities now are endless, and it's crazy that we're having this conversation considering how much we were bitching just last week's episode <laughs> with uh, with our good buddy Adam Corsair. But honestly, the review signing invigorates this fan base, gets people excited, and you can start dreaming on the possibility of them adding more and being a surprise ball club in 2020. The one thing John Heyman said when he reported the signing was, yeah, the Blue Jays could be a sneaky postseason contender in 2020. I don't think they'll get there, but they probably will be in the conversation maybe into August or maybe even the beginning of September, which is miles better than what it's been since 2017. Yeah, and when you make that comparison about looking around the rest of the AL East, we know the Yankees have everything kind of at the moment, right? <laughs> so then you look around the rest of the league, okay, the Red Sox are kind of in that ballpark where they're not pushing money at everything all of a sudden because they're trying to figure out what they should do with their new management. The Rays, I would say, we're possibly on par with now with this rotation that we've amassed over the last you know couple months. And I think we have a better offense than the Tampa Bay Rays. They always seem to find a way to sneak in and freaking get baseballs into the outfield and whatnot and get runs, but I just don't understand how we are anything different than what the Tampa Bay Rays are, at least when you're looking at them on paper right now. Oh, definitely. It's definitely going to put the Blue Jays much closer to the Rays conversation. And honestly, the time to strike and add a little bit more is now because you're going to get Vlad and Bo just continuing to drive up their prices as they continue along when you're talking extension. And you don't want to waste this core anymore. And as you said, the Red Sox are kind of in an odd place where they're kind of, they're still going to be a good team, but they're still resetting a little bit, kind of changing the expectations, trying to shed salary. They're just kind of in the middle of, yeah, they could be a playoff team. They may not be. Uh, they'll probably be above 500. The Rays are always pesky. They're always going to be there. But the Blue Jays now are much closer 
to the Rays and the Red Sox with the Hunjin Ryu edition than than not. And they're distancing themselves from the other bottom feeders from 2019. Like they're miles better now than the Detroit Tigers. I think they're better than the Chicago White Sox despite their additions. And then the Twins are always kind of there, which they can be on par with them. And they're on par with a lot of the other teams in the American League West. You're starting to look at it. Honestly, you can. I truly believe Blue Jays fans can start getting excited. It's like, yeah, they're going to be in it. They're going to be able to beat up on these teams that they were already, but then also sneak wins away from some of the better teams in the American League, and they'll be in it for a lot longer than they were. Yeah, and it's nice to know that ridiculous foundation is just sitting there waiting. <laughs> Worst case, somebody gets hurt, doesn't pan out, whatever the heck the freaking situation is. We have the Nate Pearsons, Jordan Groshans, all those guys just sitting waiting to do something. And a lot of those guys, Brendan, are going to get freaking capped out in Buffalo this year just because of what we, they've been doing in some of these positions. And unfortunately for you know some of the people that we love on our show here, it's going to be hard pressed to see you know how many guys all of a sudden now fighting over those last couple spots of the rotation. It's going to be like the Thunderdome, well, man. It's going to be the freaking Mad Max episode of Blue Jays pitching. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> exactly. Well, when you, look, you start looking at the Bisons, Craig, uh, somebody put up this tweet three hours ago, Then this is a very good rotation to start. You're probably looking at Nate Pearson, Anthony Kay, Sean Reed Foley, Thomas Hatch, TJ Zoik, maybe Jacob Wagestack, whoever doesn't get the final rotation spot will go down to Buffalo. A lot of those guys I just named were already pitching a lot of innings at the basic level. Just a few months ago. <laughs> I know. It was basically, the rotation for the Bidens to start the year was the rotation to end the season for the Blue Jays in 2019. So the depth is crazy now when you look at it on the pitching side of things. And you got to give Ross Atkins and Marcus Pyro a ton of credit for the fact that they added their ace. And you know what? They're not sexy moves, but they'll, they'll, they should pan out a little bit with Roark and Chase Anderson. At least there's some stability and dependability in the rotation now with those two guys. So, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. <laughs> At a minimum, it's exciting enough to know that those guys could be great or they could be just decent placeholders until all these guys that we were just mentioning there at the Buffalo level and so on through the system, the Nate Pearsons of the world. I really honestly think, Brendan, that we have a few other unnoticed prospects like that lingering around our pitching for the Blue Jays minor league system. A few of them panned out this season throughout the system, but that's a whole episode for another day. <laughs> but, Brendan, <laughs> I got to talk now that we talked about where we're at. It's who we're shooting for, right? And I think the Blue Jays threw a little bit of wrench in this for the New York Yankees, or at least that seems to be the reported value lately. Apparently, the Blue Jays made a significant $300 million offer to Garrett Cole. I know this is quote-unquote rumor and bias or whatever floating around, but it was a reliable quote-unquote source that reported this. And if that is worst case scenario, Brendan, the Blue Jays has jacked the price up on uh, Garrett Cole for the New York Yankees at a minimum, right? Oh, fuck. If they made a $300 million offer to Garrett Cole, that should get you excited. Potentially, I know it didn't work, and obviously I don't think anything will top the 100 Ryu signing, but man, that's got to get close. The fact that they're willing to even put that offer out there now, that needs to be seen if that's even a thing. But the fact that they are now showing a willingness to play with the big boys and get a big fish in here is uh, honestly screams excitement for what they can do the rest of this offseason, whether it's taking on salary via trade like David Price or moving some prospects potentially to get maybe an outfielder like Starling Marte. You just never know. The one quote that got me extremely excited from Scott Boris today, and I'm just looking through my notifications to find it. Thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the fact that Scott Boris literally was even in Toronto for his first time, like, whatever, says something <laughs> about how the pocketbook might be for possible Toronto Blue Jays. I don't think they're going to ever go nuts like the New York Yankees, but the fact that it seems at least, Brendan, we're at that point right now where if they see valuable talent and they have room or at least it's a smart decision, somebody like Garrett Cole being the quote-unquote smart decision, they're willing to take a chance on it. That's a, that oh, yeah. a lot. No, no doubt. The quote I found with, from Scott Boris was, it was very clear from our conversations with Mark, uh, being Mark Shapiro, uh, and Ross Atkins that the Blue Jays were ready to move forward and build a base to complement their young base of existing talent. 
I mean, man, if that doesn't get you excited as a Blue Jay fan, then I don't know what you're doing as a baseball or a Blue Jay fan in general. Oh, but I thought that was the rest of the quote. <laughs> it, they're, they're ready, man. I mean, everybody was shitting on them for what they thought they were lying about being aggressive and wanting to add talent. It's clear that they're not in the fact that you had the super agent, Scott Boris, back that up. Yeah, it's uh, you can expect some additions the rest of the offseason, I would expect. And if it's not this offseason then I would fully expect a trade deadline acquisition uh, to kind of put them over the top potentially for a wild card run. Yeah, it makes it sound that the quote-unquote actively shopping for talent on the free agent market wasn't just bullshit and hearsay for the first time ever, right? They're always looking for talent. The pro- the fact that the pocketbook was actually, actually open on A-plus talent is where the difference is going into the 2020 season, Brendan. And... It's going to be good. You know, no, there's the fact that we know that they'll do something to actually actively pursue a good team rather than just hope and pray that all the chips fall in the line with the young talent. It's like pouring gas on the fire now, right? Oh, absolutely. And you look at it, some of the guys that they missed out on that they were in on, like a Kyle Gibson or a Josh Lindblom or uh, who's the other one? That, oh, Jake Odorizzi, who ended up accepting his qualifying offer with Minnesota. That's kind of like, okay, I mean, now it's just like, okay, they were clearly just doing their due diligence. They liked them enough to make them an offer, but they weren't going to budge. They showed they were willing to budge on their offer to get the guy they wanted because it's reported they were the only team to offer Ryu the fourth fourth year. Teams weren't willing to go the full four. The offers were three years from all the other teams in on them. The Blue Jays were like, yeah, let's do it. We'll go the the fourth year, no problem. So, yeah, even though they missed out on some of those other guys, they didn't really necessarily feel the need to budge at that point to get them because they knew that they were going to be prepared to budge and offer more money or another year to land Hunter and Ryu. So, yeah, it's exciting. They, they went out and got the guy they wanted. And they're not bullshitting us whenever they're telling us that, uh, yeah, we're, we want to actively add. They did it. Yeah. And I oh, – shoot, I just lost it. But the fact that, that we um... – it's just it's just budding with what possibilities now as Blue Jays fans, and everybody's got to be jumping on this. And the fact that if there's any naysayers about what's going on, possibly now, you got your proof. Let's move on. <laughs> you can be a fan now and enjoy what is going on as Toronto Blue Jays baseball. And, you know, whether if we on this podcast eventually open up a monthly bitch session for everybody, that's beyond the point. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Brendan, moving along... Other news that really kind of flew under the radar, at least until it got squashed by the Ryu stuff. Travis Shaw is a Toronto Blue Jay. Did anybody see this coming? We almost had a quasi-trade for Justin Smoke through the free agent market for <laughs> for Travis Shaw. It was, uh, yeah, that kind of flew under the radar. I mean, that was Sunday morning, I believe. So later that day, they added Ryu at night. Uh, but anyways, no, Travis Shaw, it was either going to be him or Edwin Encarnacion, and the one underrated thing about Travis Shaw, which kind of came up after they signed him, very cheap deal, but he doesn't have enough service time to hit the free agent market. They still have another year of arbitration with him uh, the year after, so it was essentially a two-year deal when you think about it because he's still going to be under club control uh, of the Blue Jays after the 2020 season. And when you look at that, I mean, obviously, if they're contending, they're not going to move them, but if they are kind of middling around a little bit below 500, they decide they want to move a veteran piece or two, Travis Shaw if he bounces back, it's going to be a very intriguing trade ship for some of these other teams. But I don't even want to look that way because it's time to be excited. If you go back and look at Travis Shaw from 2017 to 2018 with Milwaukee, this guy was almost a four-win player. Very good defensively. He can play third base, first base, uh, DH, obviously. He can, anybody can be there. But, uh, yeah, no, Travis Shaw is a very good middle-of-the-order bat, which this team needed for sure. And... Yeah, I'm totally on board with it because you go back and look at his seasons, 120 weighted runs created plus, 119 in 2018. Uh, if he gets back to what he was, then damn, that's a damn good bat to have in there with all the kids. Yeah. Meanwhile, I don't know if you went this far into it, but he's a played in 29 career games against the Toronto Blue Jays, and he's a 270 hitter. I don't know how many of those games were in Toronto or not. <laughs> but the fact that he's hit four home runs and has 18 RBIs against the Blue Jays, I'm assuming a good handful of those happened in Toronto <laughs> because he was with the yeah, Red Sox <laughs> for so long. And there was something I remember when he got traded from the Red Sox. I'm like, why didn't the Blue Jays take a chance on him? You know, it just seemed like one of those guys. I'm like, every time I remember him coming to see us as a, as a Red Sox, he 
fucking had a game, man. It was oh, insane. Yeah. He's just one of those oh, guys yeah. that vividly is in my head is a guy that mashed the Toronto Blue Jays. And knowing we got him in the fold now, and he is such a versatile player, it, this is our Ben Zobris that they've been shopping around for for years, right? And there, oh, I yeah. really do not think he was right last year. Whatever was going on with him last season, I don't think was an accurate representation, Brendan, of what he had going on. There was something that clicked when he went to Milwaukee, and he became a different kind of hitter. And all of a sudden, last season, it just seemed like it dried up. That doesn't happen, man. So if you got a guy, you got a chance to add somebody like Travis Shaw that had those two career years for four million dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's gonna be. A and I didn't even part. know about that extra year until you just told me about that. That's news yeah. to me. I'm well, loving that. There you, there you go, man. There you go. Yeah, I, I was looking at uh, Travis Shaw's baseball spot page before we hopped on. I got it open now. Yeah, there, there was clearly some. I don't know what the hell he was doing. I don't know if he was tinkering a little bit, but you go back and look at 2017 and 2018, and you know how everybody's all about launch angle these days. His launch angle in 2017 was 14.6. In 2018, it was 16.6. 2019, I don't know what happened, but it jumped up to 24.4. And considering where he was at in his career year, it doesn't seem like the tinkering or whatever the hell was going on with him worked. If you get him back right, you can expect him to get back to his Milwaukee days, no doubt. And you were right. He was definitely a Blue Jays killer when he was with the Boston Red Sox. They added a, a very potent bat. And if he gets back to what it is, I think you can expect 30 home runs, 100 RBI from Travis Shaw in 2020. At $4 bucks. that's a steal. This is the equivalent of Justin Smoke when we got him in 2014, isn't it? Just, yeah, yeah. Just I sign him. That's great. Yeah. We all know what happened with Justin Smoke, and we love him to pieces. And I'm actually very happy that he landed somewhere like Milwaukee's. I, as a National League fan, the Brewers are probably one of my favorite teams, just because I grew up watching Robin Yunt and Paul Molitor before he became a Blue Jay. <laughs> so, seeing him there, I think he fits really well with that club and what they're trying to do. And then us getting on the flip of that, randomly getting Travis Shaw, I'm fine with if he even bats like you know in the middle of where he did in those two seasons, around the 250-260 ballpark and hits 20 home runs, I don't see any reason why he can't do what Randall Gritchick did last year offensively. Just hopefully not as many strikeouts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and no, I yeah, think that's an easy was, statement. <laughs> it, oh, easily. It was uh, it's weird because his strikeout numbers were right up where Randall Gritchick was last year, but he was never really that bad of a strikeout hitter. He's usually pretty good contact-wise. He can actually take walks as well last year that didn't stop him but when you go and look at the offense now and you start putting together the potential for uh the batting order i think you can confidently say your top half of the order if everybody's right and everybody's healthy could be one of the they could be an offensive juggernaut you look at kevin bichio bo bichette vlad jr lourdes guriel jr travis shaw danny jansen randall gritchick teoscar hernandez rowdy Telez. Uh, and whoever else is added potentially to this team. That's, you're starting to look at a very good one through nine. Obviously, some strikeout holes in there with Gritchick and T. Oscar, but beyond that, you got some pretty damn good contact hitters the rest of the way who can also add a ton of power. I, I think the other big unsun of this thing is the fact that he's actually a left-handed hitter in our lineup again. So, it's, a, it's a nice wrinkle. <laughs> it's a very sure. underlining compared to everything else, but the fact that he actually can be that weighted on the left side a little bit to really kind of funk up the lineup for opposing pitchers a little bit. We're so right-handed heavy outside of Biggio. <laughs> you know, it's just, it'll be nice to see what they do as far as staggering those guys around the lineup. But, Brendan, it's a good thing for the Blue Jays anyways, and there's no way in shit, in my opinion, that he's going to back a buck, bat a buck 57. It just doesn't. No, definitely not. It doesn't have any weight but, to it. I don't think he. I think he was playing hurt and didn't want to admit it or whatever it was. Something funky was last year. This is a guy that they're still projecting to bat. Worst case scenario for the way too early projection shit. Two thirty-five, eighteen home runs and fifty-two RBIs. That's still better than a lot of the guys we've had in our lineup over the last few years. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think uh, if you look at that projection and go off of that, I think it's floor could be Randall Gritchick type production, which isn't terrible, but it's not ideal. And then the ceiling could be a legitimate middle-of-the-order bat, which you've seen consistently 2015 with the Red Sox, 2017 and 2018 with the Brewers. And even in a bit of a down year in 2016 for him, 
he still was a decent bat with, I know, 88 is a little bit below the league average of 100 in the weighted runs created plus department. But now, I mean, I, I think the chances for a Travis Shaw bounce back to 2017 and 2018 is much higher than him doing what he did in 2019 with the Milwaukee Brewers. And yeah, he's, he, I think he's actually going to be one of the Blue Jays fans, uh, unsung heroes, and some guy that kind of becomes a fan favorite rather quickly, especially if he gets off to a hot start, kind of like Freddie Galvis last year. Yeah, very, very in that same mold. And I just, I think it's odd that he's going to end up probably being shoehorned at first base just with how, you know, he's not going to play second, he's not going to play third. But the nice that we have that option now that he can play around and give Vladdy a day off at third base and let, you know, Rowdy play first instead of DH one day here and there. It helps fill out this roster. It's a very good, solid move, period. Plus, that idea, like you said, that, great, they signed him to $4 million. We have another year that he will probably, you know, due to normal stats and everything, he'll probably get a real arbitration case and actually win it the next year. But let's ride the fact that he was an all-star pretty much as far as numbers goes. No, don't quote me. He was not an (laughs) all-star. He did not make the team, but he had on par with all-star first baseman numbers in 2017. And it's saying something. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I really do think he's going to be extremely underrated. And you know what? Nobody's really talking about him very much right now. Obviously, the excitement is rightly so about Hunter Ryu, but I think there's legitimate ex- a reason for people to be excited that Travis Shaw. I think, obviously, Edwin Encarnacion would have had the, obviously, the previous tenure being here. He has Blue Jays fans' hearts, but honestly, I think there's probably a little bit more upside at this point in Encarnacion's career with Travis Shaw, and you add in his defensive flexibility at third base or first base, probably in a pinch, you could put him in the outfield if he absolutely had to. But even then, I think Shaw at this point offers a little bit more upside than uh, Edwin Encarnacion. See, now you're getting the segue points. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as the Edwin thing goes, I honestly, after the Travis Shaw move, I was wondering how much that that was the depth move to solidify an actual first baseman and then have Edwin as your full-time DH. I really almost thought those moves were going to go bing-bang and then the Rio thing happened. And then Edwin all of a sudden was a white sock within like two days, right? It was all ding-ding-ding-ding-ding. You know, dominoes falling in place for, unfortunately, Blue Jays fans in that possible reunion. Everything seemed to be there. Everything seemed like it was heading in the right direction. And my guess was I heard that the Edwin Encarnacion contract he finally signed with the White Sox had a year with a player option on it. It wasn't just the one-year deal, which is maybe what he got from the Blue Jays, at least my guess. Yeah, that seems like a very good guess to uh, to take away from that, no doubt. So, But regardless, I wonder how much of that conversation. So let's say they did grab Edwin bring him back, watch him be his 20-30 home run normal self in the middle of our lineup. Then you have Travis Shaw that was probably going to be the flip side of that, tandeming at first base in DH and all over the field, obviously, because that's what Travis Shaw can do for you. Where the hell is Rowdy Telez in that equation? Yeah, I, it's a good question. Um, I mean, right now, if you look at it, uh, it, the Shaw signing still hasn't been made official, so he's not on the Blue, Jay, Blue Jays depth chart. But DH still doesn't have anybody as a, like, with a picture in there on the Blue Jays depth chart on their player to be named so, later. Exactly, which will be Travis Shaw. Does it say so, cash considerations in there? <laughs> yeah, or mystery player, kind of like mystery team. <laughs> so, or is yeah. this like back in the days of old triple play baseball that Barry Bonds' guy was actually named like Joe Blow or <laughs> John, John random Dowd. guy because he didn't <laughs> wasn't part of the Players Association. They'd be licensed out. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah uh, it, it, uh, I, I wonder, I've already heard rumors that Travis Shaw will get the majority of reps at first base, which makes sense because he can probably offer more gloves than Rowdy at first base, but I think that kind of, in a way, tells you maybe what they kind of think of Rowdy Tellez. I don't know if they're fully sold on him at first base, uh, or even DH for the most part, but I would assume, at least to start the season, either Rowdy, probably Rowdy will open up as your DH, and it'll be a revolving door. There's no real reason to have a guy walked in there, but yeah, my guess is Rowdy's kind of long-term future for opening day as of now and 
into April and May as, as primary DH or first baseman and hope he can run with it. Yeah, if you're not going to bring somebody in that's the David Ortiz prototypical DH or the Edgar Martinez, which in my opinion would have been the perfect Edwin Encarnacion reason to have that DH spot voided out, right? You're not going to shoehorn that. You're going to give Charlie Montoyo all the ability in the world to use that as a revolving door to give guys days off. And honestly, the Blue Jays lineup is probably better off for not having that situation. It's one thing if you bring in a ton of offense, right? But not having that shoehorned into that situation right now if you're talking about a day where you could play Travis Shaw at third and play Rowdy at first and then give Vladdy a day off you have all of a sudden Travis Shaw being able to bring in uh you know second base he's played plenty of second base he can bring you know Biggio into DH for a day okay Teoscar Hernandez can't play in the outfield one day bring him in it I just it's so much more flexibility with the guys that we have with those interchangeable parts and the fact that Biggio can play right field and left field a little bit too so many more roster options, the fact, Brendan, to be able to just keep that offensive truck moving and not have to worry about watching holes in your lineup every day at that spot. I think it helps a lot. So, No doubt. No doubt. It also kind of, I'm not sure if this is where you're going with it, so maybe I'll get my second point on segue, but <laughs> the, I, I, I can imagine this may be a sign that Brandon Drury's days could be limited if he doesn't go out there and steal a spot in spring training. The one underrated thing, I'm not sure too many people know it, but Brandon Jury still has one option left. So they're probably going to keep him around, and if he doesn't go out there and shove in spring training and make him make them bring him north for the season, that he could start the season in Buffalo and you kind of have him there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the Brandon Jury days could be rather close to coming to an end, which kind of sucks considering now they wouldn't have gotten anything for J-Hap, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, and... I, I wondered how much that was the same thing. Knowing that option, though, there, it's not like all of a sudden Brandon Drury is going to be gone because of that option. If anything, that's the reason he would get traded rather than sent down to the minors, I would think. There's somebody that would love to have the versatility of a Brandon Drury on their major league roster, I think, still. Regardless, the biggest thing is, is he worth having in your minor league system in a year you might be able to push for that 500 level that we were talking, possible playoff spot? Or is he better off for a random flyer? I don't know at this point because I really do not know what I get from Brandon Jury. <laughs> so maybe little, this is me. It's a little, it's a little cloudy at this point. What uh, the Brandon Jury future with the Blue Jays organization is, and honestly, he gave no reason to not be cloudy uh, going into the 2020 season. He was pretty horrendous last year. Other than an epic walk-off home run on Vladdy night. That's right. <laughs> eh, that's about all I got. <laughs> yeah, can we get the Brandon Jury who absolutely annihilated the Oakland Athletics like I all know. the time? <laughs> I thought that's what Brandon Jury was going to be like three years ago when he was still with the Diamondbacks. I just thought he was one of those guys that was going to finally put it all together and just run. Same thing like his old teammate Chris Owings. Unfortunately, you've not heard from him at all either. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Brendan, now that the Blue Jays have, you know, showed their cards a little bit that they're willing to dive into this whole competition thing and they're ready to push some of the chips into the table. What does this say for the rest of our off season? Is this more trades? Is there possible free agent signings coming still? Where does this team improve, my friend? A good question. Um, my guess, Craig, is if they're looking to add another position player, my guess is it would be via trade. Um, I don't know how much more salary they really want to take on. It is nice to have the possibility that they will now, and people can believe that they will, uh, as opposed to a few weeks ago when people were still skeptical if they were even going to land Ryu. But right now, other than Nick Castellanos on the free agent market, there isn't anybody out there that represents a significant enough upgrade uh, on what they currently have to make it worth making a splash. Now, the one guy I've always wanted them to go after this offseason, especially because he's, like, he's very much available if the Blue Jays approach the Pittsburgh Pirates with the trade offer of Starvin Marte. If you could get Marte at a good price, then now you're talking. But I think for the rest of the offseason, Craig, we're going to see a lot of what they've done since they've been here. You're going to see them round up the bullpen with some guys who are lingering on there in late January, early February that really get desperate and need a home. And looking at some of these names, man, there's some guys out there that you could sign and turn around kind of like what you did with a Daniel Hudson or a Sung Wan Oh. I'm looking at Cody Allen. 
I'm looking at Steve Ciszek. I'm looking at maybe Gregerson or David Hernandez. And, hey, maybe they'll bring back Daniel Hudson. He's still a free agent, too. <laughs> I was going to say, don't forget about Daniel Hudson. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't have any problem with that. You need somebody to be available to be in that tandem right before Ken Giles. And as much as we have added with the other pitchers that we've had this offseason so far, we haven't been seeing them other than the Yamaguchi uh, signing. That's about it, right? And he's going to be competing for an opening day, you know, rotation spot, not a bullpen spot. I think that's a safe spot, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yamaguchi and probably Waggis Pack are two guys who could break camp in the bullpen, which we were, I think we were talking about just before we started. That's a very good place for those two guys to be in, kind of long guys who can't, I wouldn't say, can turn a, rot- a, a batting order over more than once. I think we saw that with Waggis Pack other than uh, in, in August where – in September, he got annihilated. Yeah, it just started getting here. figured out, basically, right? <laughs> exactly. So if you put them there, that's fine. But you know what? You still need some uh, flamethrowers at the back of that uh, bullpen. I mean, the one guy, um, uh, blanking on his name, the uh, the pitching ninja guy that they signed uh, could come into play uh, at that point. Uh, and I'm blanking on his name. I James Dykstra. Yeah, Dykstra. That's it. So he could play in. Uh, but, yeah, no, I fully expect them to sign maybe one or two guys that are going to linger late in January, early February. And, and honestly, at this point, I don't think there's any reason to doubt anybody if they sign won't work out. The only one who hasn't really worked out via trade was Drew Storen. Uh, and then they also signed a guy uh, a few off-seasons ago. I'm blanking on who it was. I think it was the same off-season as Sungwano who just didn't work out. But anyway, the track record has been much better than picking up guys late in the off-season and working out and ending up trading. So that's probably where we're going to see the majority of the moves the rest of the way. Free agency for relievers, and if they upgrade position player, then they'll probably be via trade. Yeah, I'm leaning toward the trade thing, too. I, I, My worry about them picking pick and going after Nick Castellanos is the fact that he, he's just a spurtsy player to me. And I, right now I think his contract year couldn't have happened perfect for, more perfect for him. The fact that he t- really turned it on for the Cubs and basically was the player of the month for fucking September. Come on, guys. <laughs> and that change leader he makes it look like he was a king. So if he gets out of Detroit like he did and he did as good as he does, I think he's going to ask for a boatload of money, and I just don't see him living up to that boatload of money. I think he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but he's in that ballpark where I think he's just a little bit echelon-sized, a little bit more than Randall Grochek. Better yeah, but I, I, good I, defense still. Yeah, you got it. I think uh, I, I, the price tag is probably going to be a little too high for uh, for the Blue Jays to be legitimately interested in Castellanos. The same thing goes for Marcel Lazuna, the other primary guy out in the free agent market. I think both of those guys are going to sign for way more money than even I would feel comfortable paying them. So I'm good with leaving them alone, but you never know. If they continue to linger there, their price comes down a little bit to the point where they're comfortable. You never know. I would be definitely on board with a shorter-term deal, maybe three years or something, with a Marcelo Zuno or Nicholas Castellanos. The one good thing of both of those guys is they are on the right side of 30. So you can offer them a decent uh, contract in terms of amount of years in term uh, and know that, yeah, some of their best years could still be ahead of them. And they kind of fit in nicely with the... Uh, with the way the core is going, but no, I don't. I don't see that happening. Yeah, and if I was doing something like that with Castellanos right now, I'm wanting to front load the living hell out of that damn thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody like Scott Boris that finally you know made his Toronto debut, <laughs> he's going to ask him a lot of money to get loaded throughout the whole career of that contract, not up front. And I don't see him wanting to do something very similar to like what Russell Martin did. Yeah, Russell Martin got paid a ton of money to play in Toronto. But if you look at the way that contract was structured, that was really a lot of it was up front, man. It wasn't like the Troy Tulowinski thing that was just still bleeding money forever. You know, <laughs> it was very structured in the Blue Jays' favor, and that's why they were able to do it in twenty fifth. You know, when they brought Martin in, it was just easy. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. It's uh, you know, I, I think. Uh, one thing that we can all take away from this in terms of them making splashes and it definitely seems like it left a very good impression on Scott Boris the whole process and working with Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro is the fact that yeah they'll be able to work with him in the future and our good buddy Ian Hunter that we've been on shows with in the past put out a very interesting tweet Craig just a little note that Boris one other quote that he said which was exciting he said 
I think in next year's round of free agency, there's going to be people looking at this team a lot differently than they did two years ago. And Ian Hunter points out James Paxton, who is a Scott Boris client, is a free agent next offseason. Canadian, coming to Toronto, kind of like Russell Martin. Yeah, I can see some parallels there. Bring home Big Maple. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rio, Big Maple, Pearson. Wow, that rotation would be filthy. Very filthy indeed, my friend. So, <laughs> anyway, speaking of filthy, last week we might have been a little harsh on our show. <laughs> Points. What? You think we were harsh? <laughs> so, but yeah, um, in all reality, like we've been saying a couple times throughout the show, Brendan, uh, things have changed a lot in a week. It's amazing what, you know, being on the cusp of a new year <laughs> will do to a team. Oh, yeah. But oh. it's nice to see that the chips have finally been pushed into the table. And I think that the collective summary of last week's quote-unquote bitching was the fact that we just wanted to see them put some emphasis on the fact that they're trying to prove this team and do something right with it. This has finally happened, and I think the Blue Jays fans can rest assured a little bit better that this team is heading in the right direction. Well, I, I'm going to say the same thing I said when we were starting our bitch fest last week with Adam Corsair, is that, you know what, I tried to remain positive. I know you did. I know Adam did. There's a lot of people who are diehard Blue Jays fans that were, you know what, starting to grow a little bit impatient. And just in terms of all the quotes that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro were saying, in terms of, yes, they will be aggressive, making big league moves to get talent in here, and upper echelon talent. That was the quotes they were throwing around all offseason. And we haven't seen that from this front, uh, this management group since they've taken over. I mean, in ways they have with eating Francisco Liriano's salary and adding that way and extending guys. And even Jose Bautista's one-year deal, at, I think it was, what, 19, 20 million a year. They have shown a willingness to throw around money, but not legitimately in the free agent pool. So people were growing impatient, and they just wanted to see yes, what they were saying is true, and there was reason for people to doubt it, but yeah, I mean, now I, I was teetering on the edge of getting close to giving up hope and starting to turn more negative. Held on just long enough. You did too. Every, uh, there was other, a lot of other people in the same boats of us uh, as us that uh, were, ne- uh, were starting to teeter towards the negative side of things that just needed to see it actually happen, and now that it happened, man, I think we can dream on this team being 500 if not a little bit better, in 2020. And you know what? Even if they don't make the postseason, if they're right around 500, there are a few games within the wild card in September, and man, 2021 could be the year where everything clicks and everything comes together and they can challenge for the division. I think um, in the conversation with my wife last night when I was telling them that they're going to finally make the Ryu thing official was until this, I felt like I was in a cult. There was only so much freaking Kool-Aid I can drink. <laughs> <laughs> until you prove me something. Yeah. <laughs> I was really starting to wonder who the man behind the curtain was, you know, pulling the strings, moving the mouth. <laughs> what is the deal here? And the fact that we're finally to that point where, okay, they actually are doing what they say they're doing. We just hadn't been seeing the fruits of the labor because everybody was going in other directions, which makes sense. It's how baseball runs. It's a business. I get it. But the fact that there is somebody that should have no problem coming to the city of Toronto and playing baseball for a great organization that has proven time and time again they do right by their players. The biggest thing recently is the fact that the minor league teams are paid, minor league players are paid more than any other minor league players in all of Major League Baseball's organizations and everything. And that's because the Toronto Blue Jays actually threw money at it. I think those kind of things there should have started adding up to Brendan to the point where we should have had no problem signing anybody. And I think Ryu was just the first guy to finally cross that line. So I think yeah. for Boris's quote there, if that's 100% accurate, I think this could be the first of things. I do too. I, I just think the whole signing should lead Blue Jays fans to believing and in, in legitimately dreaming on other big free agent signings or absorbing bigger amounts of salary via trade or whatever it is. I think it isn't the first domino that is going to show people. It's like, yeah, they are all in on starting to win as soon as 2020 and Ryu starts that process. It's not complete. There's still some holes in this team, uh, as we've talked about at length this episode and other episodes in the past. 
But yeah, Ryu is a very, very positive step forward. And you know what, man? Injury concerns aside, as I've said many times, just spend the money. If it blows up in your face, at least you showed the willingness to take a risk, not be risk-averse. And even if you get two fully healthy years of Hunter and Ryu, and he is the guy he was in 2013, 2014, and last year, then that makes it all worth it for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, to put a bow on it, this just popped into my head while you were talking about this. I know you're a little too old or or not quite old enough to remember this, but this reminds me of when I was a kid that all of a sudden the Blue Jays pushed money into the table and said, oh, by the way, Jack Morris is a Toronto Blue Jay. The following year, oh, yeah, that's right, we got Paul Molitor for four years. (laughs) That's the kind of thing that people should be looking at this as far as in comparison. You knew you had a good core back then with Alomar and Carter and company. They put some money into the team, and you never know what can happen, Blue Jays fans. So, Brendan, is there anything else you would like to either vent or, you know, be proud about for a change that you would like to get off your uh, chest? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Hunter and Ryu is a Toronto Blue Jay, and oh. we should all be very excited about that. And there's honestly, man, as we continue to talk this entire episode, it just makes me more and more and more excited for spring training to roll around, but just also the fact that it is so nice to have a positive podcast where we're not just hoping and dreaming of these big moves. The one happened, and honestly, it's a nice change to be happy and excited on a podcast again as opposed to just being like, man, yep, Tanner Roark going, yep, Chase Anderson, okay. fine. <laughs> we need some more. Now, now, we got that more. And 100 Ryu is hopefully, as we said, just the start of that. And now it's starting to look like the whole plan is actually coming together with all those other moves. And now, the, you know, putting the hat on the snowman kind of thing going on here to make a winner joke. <laughs> Here's one thing I'm going to leave it on. If this all works out and the Blue Jays are a playoff team in 2021, 2022, and everything comes together as it was, uh, just like Ross Atkins and Marcia Pyra blew, uh, drew it up, the redemption tour of everybody who has hated this front office is going to be so sweet for those two guys, and they don't deserve it any more than that. They they fully deserve some love around this city, and honestly, the reputation of them should be changing right now. Yeah. So do you think that they've been secretly hoarding tweets that they're going to be like, remember yeah. when you said this? Boom. <laughs> yes. I know I did that. As soon as they signed Ryu, I know I favorited a few tweets with people who would appreciate a, a gentle kind of ribbing and be like, hey, you said no, it happened. I, I did that. It's uh, a I didn't want to overkill it. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, no the redemption tour, Marsha Power and Ross Atkins, if this all works out the way they've drawn it up, there's a chance it won't. I think there's an even better chance that it will. Uh, is going to be sweet, and it's going to be even sweeter for people like you, for people like me, for Adam Corsair, for who had to just continue to believe and pray that this team would be good. It's going to be so much sweeter for everybody who believed in this team from day one. Faith renewed. So the last thing I'm going to ask you, it's almost another holiday. I know we missed our Christmas uh, wish list episode. It, it happened anyway, so that would have been a really brief episode. So Either your New Year's resolution as a Blue Jay fan or Blue Jay's period New Year's resolution. What do they need to do or what would you like to be doing? I know you were already talking about getting new jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got 100 bucks of this gift cards money that I'm debating on just pouring into a majestic jersey that goes on sale before Nike takes over no in swish. February. But, uh, yeah, no, no. The differences in the jerseys are so minimal other than the swoosh of the logo that, yeah, just get a majestic one and save yourself some money. But oh, my New Year's resolution is to uh, not come that close to uh, negativity or not believing in this front office because they honest, they proved so many people wrong with this signing that uh, I think you sh- that people got to start believing in them again and that they will actually follow through on some of their promises so i will never venture to that side again and i will continue to defend the front office like i did the previous years i'm going to go back to a couple of years ago brendan when i used to have a certain nickname about the toronto blue jays minor league system and i feel like i've been losing it over the last few years due to other unforeseen life things and just not having enough goddamn time I used to be aptly nicknamed by Ari Shapiro, the minor league guru for the Toronto Blue Jays system, knowing everybody that I know and all that kind of good stuff. 
I feel like I'm slipping, man. I got to get back more into the Blue Jays minor league system this year, and that includes maybe you and I having a few more drunken evenings at the you know, <laughs> at the ballpark in Buffalo. Yeah. I'm not going to be averse okay, not, not for that, but I'm going to do my best to do better reporting through this show on the minor league system than when maybe we have gotten with sidetracked a little bit as we've been doing more of a major league baseball podcast since. I have a feeling that you'll be able to uh, live up to that New Year's resolution uh, in January when uh, the previews start for the minor league systems as we move towards spring training. So I think well, I'm your not saying I haven't done my homework. Through. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm losing my guru status. I'm not saying I'm a slouch. <laughs> it's, it's on the it's on the backseat. <laughs> exactly. It's there. It's just like another hat. It's like I'm you know I got my you know my minor league baseball hats all lined up on the mantle. I need to maybe start wearing them. <laughs> There you go, buddy. <laughs> Do so, it. Anyways, Blue Jays fans, once again, the mind meld of Brandon Panikar and Craig Borden on your Blue Jays news is here every week through the off season. We are here for your venting purposes, your hoorays, your hurrahs, everything. Or just, God forbid, you want to have a beer with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here on anywhere you can get your podcasting pleasures for i just found out that we're on a few i didn't even know we were on the other day brendan we're, I, we're on stitcher and all these other places too now <laughs> no idea everywhere we're growing <laughs> it's like we have a brand it's weird this barroom chat has served us well but anyways let's finish this up like we usually do my friend let's go blue jays let's go toronto blue jays and hunjin ryu Boom. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty. That means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save